It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. We've got a lot for you this week. We're going to hit a mailbag to start things off. Not a ton of questions because I asked a little bit late. We recorded on a Sunday instead of our usual Monday. Then we're going to get into our two takes, which we like to do every week. Then we're going to hit on, I guess the best way to call it, what do you think, our holiday tournament conundrum or end of the era? uh, uh, We'll (laughs) call it an extra take. Extra take, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Mike's got his two, I've got my two, and then we, we were discussing it and brainstorming different ideas, and this came up, this take, this topic that we'll just kind of expand on a little bit following our two takes, and uh, it's we're, it's a little negative, but yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Bit of a rant, and then we will get into the preview, you know, as you always do briefly, maybe a little bit more. There are some pretty darn good games at the Team Rose Classic in Mount Carmel. Unfortunately, there's no point in previewing on a terrific Tuesday night. If you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, I'm sure you were headed to a game. It's a pretty special night, so we'll mention it briefly. But uh, let's start out with the mailbag. First up, Ronell Chapman, who I think is our uh, top question asker. He congratulated us congratulates us on the 100th episode then he says any word on why there weren't any programs at the chicago elite classic they've had great programs for years i know we're in a digital age but most fans don't think to look on max preps for a roster when they see a kid make a great play and they want to know what year he is caleb love was amazing it stinks because i unfortunately had to leave after the first quarter of the last game but he'll pretty much be a mcdonald's all-american right what was up with the fighting in the stands? This is the second straight year Morgan Park has gotten into a little scrum slash fight in a marquee sponsored event. People I talk to are really tired of it. Thanks. One of the most diverse questions we've had from programs <laughs> to yes. McDonald's All-Americans to fighting in stands. Uh, I have some to... answers to that. So I, I talked to the Robert Smith today. He um, Save the environment paper? They just haven't sold enough. He said they've just got, there was way too many left over. There just wasn't any point to that. I, Nobody was buying them. Yeah, we could probably go down to the photocopy of some paper for some fans. Yeah. Well, it, or I didn't even pay attention on this because the scoreboard didn't have any number information. Or no. Player, so you literally have no idea unless you're paying attention to the starting lineups. Yeah, which you could. I was, and it was difficult to hear because I needed names because I didn't have any rosters and I'm trying to work. So no, for the junkie that comes and wants to see Caleb Love or whoever, it's really difficult to figure out who he well, is. Well, and that's that's what's the, the sell is the out-of-state teams with star players who no one knows from a hole in the wall. Yeah, you just got to so, put it on the website. Put the rosters is. on the website. Right? Yeah, you got to have rosters somewhere. Yeah, everybody's got a phone. There's know, rosters on every tournament event in the country so yeah yeah so they're gonna look into that um i think they're aware that they need to have some rosters so hopefully they can figure that out um as far as um caleb love being a mcdonald's all-american yeah i'm not gonna try to figure out (laughs) mcdonald's all-american selections because it's just there's always there's 40 to 50 candidates and yeah he's i might guess yes or no will he be yes i guess he will be 
um, uh, downplaying of the fight. I guess um, Isaiah Burrell was in a fight on the court with a player from Christian Brothers. They were ejected from the game, so he will not be able to play in Morgan Park's next game, which is scheduled to be against Curie. Um, we know how they've shoved other games in before when this has happened. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Brandon Weston also picked up a technical and so did another player who I'm forgetting. But in the stands, I heard it was just um, a minor scuffle and then a lot of kids ran over. Uh, CPS security is at the event and they just kind of separated it. There weren't any police called and it wasn't anything apparently really of note in the stands. But I think we've talked it length about Morgan Park's behavior a lot of these events um uh nobody seems to want to do anything to stop it <laughs> I mean I still can't believe they weren't punished after the city championship game last year that was shocking to me and I guess if you're not going to get in trouble for anything behavior is not going to change so there we are um the other thing that Rennell's talking about is that Nike event that I was not at last year um when they got in the fight in the first or second weekend of the season i don't know yeah i i they blend in with off-season scuffles and yeah but yes I, everybody's tired of it um i don't know when it's gonna change for now um next up is a question i received many times and i think i know the answer um it's for joe technically though Teresa taylor wants to know why marion catholic versus morgan park is not in the top 35 games of the year joe uh <sighs> First of all, the research of that is is, is unbelievably time consuming. So, if there is a game I do miss, shame on me. I missed the game. Um, is there another part of that question too? Or, um, wanted to know why Bolingbrook HF is on it over Mary. Yeah, I mean, the Bolingbrook HF. I mean, I, in fairness, I, I do try to get as many different. Do I think every one of those games is the, you know, I don't want to put a Simeon game in there seven times. Yeah. I don't want to put every single public league clash in there. So, yeah, I do put a Fox Valley Conference, you know, game. And, and, and as far as the was HF Bolingbrook, you said, yeah. it, it's been a, a huge game between those two teams. So I, I included it. Um, conference game. Yeah, I mean it, it ties their league, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't have any rhyme or reason to answer why the the previous game other than do I miss a game? Yeah, I mean you're combing through every schedule and trying to find equal representation, so it's it's not an easy task. Nope, it's a big messy sport. Joe and I are dealing with. I think a lot of people don't understand the lack of source material we have to deal with. Yes, I mean it's it's we the amount just, of yeah research that goes into some of the stories I do or just, oof. yeah you, you mean you don't go to ESPN.com and call up right, the just, high school uh, basketball sketch and pick right. some games <laughs> right you're combing through and some of them are incomplete yeah, yeah. and some uh, but yeah it's a total mess um anyway yeah onwards uh Frederick Baker here says uh will Corliss be a team to beat in class 2a I saw Corliss uh this week and yes, they will. Um, if more, if or didn't exist, or wasn't in two A, they'd be really, really a team to beat. Corliss knows this. Or keeps ruining all of their roads to everything. Um, it's you know I haven't seen or yet. 
I really liked this Corliss team. I think they're going to be a lot better, though, next year. They have a lot of talented juniors. But I don't know if this is the team that's going to be able to beat Orr. Even though I haven't seen Orr, we'll see what they have. But overall, in 2A, yeah, I don't think there can be more than four teams better than them. Um, if Orr wins 2A again, doesn't the 2A world like start to have an uproar? Oh, I'm sure they already are. <laughs> right? I mean... I don't, I'm just yeah. tired of it. Yeah, it's not a lot of fun um, for them, especially since it's they just assemble a new team every year. That's what I mean. Yeah, of transfers and go for it. It's not even like it's just some I mean, city it'd team. be three titles with 15 different starters. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Corliss was a lot of fun, though. I, I really enjoyed They're a fun team to watch. Go check them out um, if, you, if you're on the fence or want to see a game. It's also a really nice gym. Um, for a CPS gym, it's big, it's bright. Um, it's just a nice place to see a game, and they're a fun team to watch. They also play a little later. Uh, they start at about 7, 6.45, 7 o'clock. So if you're just getting off work, that's a game you can get to when a lot of the city games are kind of ending by then. Uh, so it's definitely a place to check out. It's across from Gately, if people aren't really familiar um, with that. So you can also park in the Gately parking lot and just cross the street. So you don't got to worry about parking. It starts at about 7, so it's a nice option. Uh, on the south side to see some pretty good basketball. Um, I guess well, that was like a Corliss commercial, huh? <laughs> I'm glad you saw him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it is, it's a pleasant, you know, a lot of times in the city, it's hard to park. It's hard to, you know, get, it's just a big hassle. Um, it's not like that with Corliss, but next up, um, Michael and Joe, how good is Evanston? They just looked almost flawless against Notre Dame. Two years in a row in the 4A final against Belleville West. Can they make it back and win? How do they match up against Whitney Young? This is from Jack Lydon. Yeah, we could probably go right into hold, your take. Go in. I mean, we have another question, or is that the no, last that's one? That's it. So that'll work. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was one of my takes. You know, Evanston, to me, was a team that went in Friday night with something to prove. Not as if people were doubting them, because, you know, they've. And they've done their job. I mean, the last two years, they, they finished third in the state two years ago, 27 wins. They won 32 games last year, finished second in the state. And they've got a little nucleus here of another really great two-year run. But what I saw is a different type of team. It, it, almost, It's very rare that a team that finishes third and second in the state comes with a chip on their shoulder, right? I mean, yeah. I, but it looked like it. To me, yeah, and part of it was, you know, Louis Lamont uh, transferred from Evanston to Notre Dame, and you know that that he, and he's a highly rated prospect. Notre Dame's received a ton of hype. Louis Lamont's returned, no fault of my own, but um, he's received received a lot of uh, attention in, in the preseason, and he's in the same class as as Jalen Gibson and, and Blake Peters, so. I think there was a lot of fire there in Evanston, and, and they went out and played a pretty uh, clean game, especially for the style that they play. They play a little hectic. They play a little frantic style with that speed and quickness. But my thing, my, my take is more about just kind of what Evanston has evolved and become. That is a – there's very few high school jobs that are I would consider pressure cookers. You know, uh, you know, a bloom or a or a proviso east, and you know some of the things that politically too around the communities. Evanston has been they have they can 
spit and churn out coaches. And Mike Ellis, you know, came from the outside after a phenomenal run at Peoria Richwoods. And his his stamp is firmly on this program. And what they've done in his time, both with some overachieving teams that didn't get to Peoria, that won regionals and sectionals that were just oh, very good but not great teams, I think he did overachieve with some of those. And then he maximized the other ones that reached Peoria. So I, I just think they are now in this in this as a program in this time period here where they just kind of reload and, re, and just keep going. And I think they're clearly, clearly one of the top teams in the Chicago area. And if you really look you know, down the road, you're looking at a team that is very capable of getting back to Peoria. And that's the, the big thing with me. It's a very winnable sectional. Uh, the March Road will you know, like Loyola Academy and Stevenson would probably be in their in their road, but uh, Evanston can play with and beat any of them, and they prove that Friday night, even with you know little bit little size they have. Uh, I, I was just really impressed. I think everybody that's watched them was was very impressed, and even their outside. I write about this in my review and look back of the Chicago League Classic, but after Jalen Gibson and Blake Peters, who are Clearly, their top two players. Uh, they've got some other guys that are really making their presence. Isaiah Holden didn't put up big numbers, but he was terrific. Uh, another junior and a transfer from Niles Notre Dame, actually. Uh, Deshaun Hemphill has been averaging 12, 13 points a game for them. And he's been a big, you know, put up charge into this team. So Evanston's legit, they're real, and they have very well could be playing, playing in Peoria for a third straight season. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, Blake Peters could be in Peoria all four of his years, which is pretty wild. I, I've been—it's a team I've been looking forward to. I wanted to see, and I still want to see the next two years of this Blake Peters, this class, this twenty twenty class, or sorry, twenty twenty one class at um, Evanston. I, I just kind of thought when they got out to run and stuff like this, it'd be a lot of fun. They lived up to the expectations, and as Joe said, the depth. You know, even beyond guys I'd never heard of, that there must have been twelve kids who could play. You know th- that they had out there, and boy, in the post game press conference, there was some heat. <laughs> there is definitely some uh, hard feelings between uh, Evanston and uh, Louis Lamond at uh, Notre Dame. I didn't press too much on it. I-, I put a little quote in the paper about how. Uh, Blake Peters mentioned some things about last year, but I feel like if I would have asked, they would have told me they were, they were definitely super motivated in that game. And they were also pretty angry about their lack of preseason attention. And, you know, looking back, you know, it's a team that has done so well the last two years, you know, I think they had a bit of a point. Um, Just, but but, where'd you have them ranked? Nine. Okay, I, mean, I wouldn't ex- exactly. You thought it was on, too high. <laughs> throw on a yeah. disrespect. Well, why know. not? But they keep playing for the state title. Why are they ranked ninth? Well, I mean, they lost their leading scorer, and so did and, every team above them, pretty much. And I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if nine is. Like I know. I mean, I get what you're saying. Face. I'm the one who did it. So I mean, I, I don't, but I mean, should they really have been behind Bogan? I mean. 
they've been in a four A title game and have a lot. Of, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess from I guess what I'm saying is I see it from their perspective. Um, hey, whatever motivates you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm sure at the end of the day that's not their sole, uh, you know, motivation. But oh, yeah, no. I mean, you you had them nine, I had them ten. Um, yeah, I mean, I I almost put them two today. And, and the other thing. And this goes into one of Mike's rants, which are which is I'm not the summer ball. Um, oh yeah, they they have actually because I was so high on them going into last year, and then you know, I do watch a lot of summer stuff. And this is not this past summer; that previous summer before they finished second in the state, they did not have a great summer. They did not. I was like worried about them. Uh, I wouldn't, I overwatched them this past summer. I wouldn't call it a great summer this past summer. So it goes into what you, you have said, and there's other teams that have great summers and it carries over and it's terrific, but, uh, it, it has been interesting to see how Evanston, well, I, and also I didn't even know about the guy who was averaging 12 points a game for him and scored 21 points in the championship game of the St. Byron tournament, the transfer from Notre Dame. Yeah. So, I mean, and Elijah Bull returned. So, I mean, they, they've, you know, they've got some pieces here that we weren't quite sure how they were going to fit. There were some unknowns. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's... And, and they also lost the other Holden. So, they, they did lose some... I mean, oh, they yeah. lost some key pieces, man. So oh, They did. They totally did. And they re, they totally filled them nicely. And anyway, yeah, the future's bright for Evanston. Um, no doubt about it. And we'll be talking about them a ton. We always talk about Evanston. Yeah, we do. And, and, and again, I go back to, I mean, Mike Ellis is a terrific coach. I mean, he just is. I mean, it, the, the, there's the track record. Uh, I mean, he's finished second in the state three times, I think, uh, taking multiple teams there. So it's, I, I just think I can see kind of the, the, the culture and the, and the stamp that he has put on the program after all these years. And not that he hasn't had that prior to this year, but uh, it carries over into years when you do lose a player like Lance Jones and Holden, and and it's a lot more easy to to, to kind of continue on with what you got going. Next up is my take. Um, Evan, I did talk about the rankings. Evans is up to four. You've probably seen that by now um, from nine. My take is on Simeon. Um, this might be a classic uh, uh, Thanksgiving week second week overreaction whatever they're one and one and i've seen both games and i don't know how everybody else feels about high school basketball but the first time i see a team i can make you know you get impressions and stuff but the second time is when i really start to feel like i've got a much better grasp so i had that for simeon uh, against saint francis uh, baltimore saint francis and you know that, that's a good team simeon played really well the first half i thought second half things didn't go so well I guess my take here is I've, I'm a little concerned about Simeon. I had them ranked in the top five to start the year, number four. I've dumped them down to number nine. A little harsh, people would probably think, after that loss. They, they beat um, Lynn Bloom over the week, during the week, had a nice easy win at home. But I'm just, I'm a little perplexed by what's going on there overall, and I'm a little worried that they might not live up to that top five status. Ahmad Bynum scores and he shoots a lot he is is what do you call him a high volume (laughs) Um, he shoots a lot like almost every time he touches the ball 
And they kind of need that now because no one else has really stepped up as a scorer. Uh, Jeremiah Williams had a double-double against St. Francis, 10 points, 10 rebounds. But he clearly is slowly working his way in with that team and with kind of public league basketball. He's not the guy we saw right away from St. Lawrence last year. He's deferring. He's doing some other things. Um, And, you know, it's a much different style. You know, he went from a team that ran up and down like crazy to Simeon, which does not do that at all. And I think that might take a little bit of time. And then meanwhile, Robert Smith has all these young guards, you know, the sophomore Jalen Drain, the freshman Jalen Griffith, who's getting a lot of time and Avion Morris, a sophomore who's really impressive. And if you were really noticing, he was one of the five with the game on the line that was in the game. He was in there ahead of Frederick Poole. I think that sophomore might be working himself into the starting lineup. He's kind of a dynamite little player. And then there's all these bigs that they're counting on to do some rebounding. And so far, only Sincere Callwood, the kind of six six senior, is doing much. The rest of the guys were in and out. And I'm just not sure how this is going to work out. Robert Smith is going to take some time, I think, to figure this out is my point. And I feel like it might be a team more built to run with all the, the guards he has. But, you know, that's not the way Simeon plays. And so instead of running with all these guys, they're going to be depending on these kind of program bigs. And I'm not sure if they're coming through. And I, I think it might be a tougher year for Simeon, at least the first half, than I originally expected. I hear you on your seeing a team twice and getting a better feel. But when it's the first two games, I think it's a little – Yeah. Um, you know, usually – Usually when you and I see teams, for the most part, you know, it's at least spread out, you know, a couple of weeks or a few games in between. And I, I, I make a point of this and what I'm writing, Mike, is uh, – and again, correct me if we've both been to the Chicago League Classic for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, however many. Eight years. Uh, like Simeon and Young, who organize it and put it together, over the years, I would say more oftentimes they have not – played extremely well in that event I, I i i think they're at a complete disadvantage i write about this this week every team they play always has i just looked it up i think duncanville has eight games they played already uh st francis the simeon played has played seven games simeon's played two and not to mention simeon young and rob smith and tyrone slaughter uh are actively involved all week their schedule and their routines are all off because they're organizing and putting out fires and doing all this stuff leading up to the event and their practice schedule is all out of whack just my point is i I, i've just found that particular weekend of games to be uh hard to really gauge where they're at going forward now to your point about i think he's got a lot to figure out with personnel because there's so many players that are of equal value and talent to a degree. Yeah, you've got your bona fide guys like Bynum and Williams and and uh, just texting with Rob Smith about the game a little bit. You know, I think Jeremiah Williams will get more offensive opportunities. He'll create more for himself even uh, with his length and versatility and ability to get to the rim. So I, I think that's going to come along. But yeah, it's it's going to be a story not process between here and Pontiac. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say maybe you're jumping the gun a tad there, bit with there's the word. no time for that though. What do you mean it's with their no schedule? Time. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean Simeon Young. I mean everybody looks at their schedule differently. I mean, I, 
Yeah, but before I'm just saying before Pontiac, they got to play Curie. I'm HF, just talking Rita. at the end of the day. Yeah. Will they be a top five team when you do your final rankings at the end of the year? I think most likely they will be. So we'll see. But every every stretch of a season is different with for every team. There are some teams that are already locked in and wired to 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 hit the ground running. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what they're uh, running into against Bogan on Tuesday. And then there's some teams that are mixing and matching and, and just kind of figuring things out. Not that they don't have the talent to put together terrific, outstanding seasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're talking strictly trying to win the Red South, Central, whatever, I, yeah, I mean, they, they got to – turn it up quick uh but you know i i just think that's kind of messed up too isn't it i mean what's that they moved the morgan park game otherwise that would be to january as well yeah but we've come i've complained about this for yeah the conference is decided by like the 20th almost i mean every yeah every high impact publicly game is done in december in the middle of december yeah it's wild uh my my second take is well, it's a combination of uh, the development and progress of talented sophomore guard Trey Pettigrew at Fenwick, as well as their upside as a team uh, in this two-year window where you have a superstar in Bryce Hopkins, the 6'6 junior. He's the number two player in the class and, and has been just put together a terrific two-plus years already of high school basketball. He's committed to Louisville. I mean, he's a dynamic superstar, and he did not play his best in the Chicago League Classic win over Oak Park. Trey Pettigrew was terrific. And, you know, it's not as if he has just come out of nowhere. He he started every game for Fenwick last year. Uh, they didn't have a great season, uh, so they weren't. You know, as Bryce Hopkins was grabbing some headlines, Pettigrew was kind of getting his feet wet and getting a little varsity seasoning as a freshman. But he led their team in assists last year as a freshman. I, I thought so much of him. I put him at following his freshman season as one of the top five or six prospects in the class. Now, that class, that sophomore class, class of 22 in Illinois, 2022, is not very good. Uh, so Pettigrew was a lock to be a top 10 prospect. But he... Came back on Saturday night, I think, against uh, Mount Carmel and scored 33 points, hit seven threes. I just love what this team could be for between now because it's a star-led team by a junior or led by a junior star and Bryce Hopkins, but there's a boatload of complementary players who are sophomores and then Pettigrew who has some star-like qualities. So this is a team that is just, you know, Loyola and DePaul are kind of the, you know, their early talk in the in the Catholic League. But you look, Fenwick's going to be right there. Uh, they've got the best player in the league. They've got one of the best players in the state. When Class 3A playoffs roll around, come March, and all these sophomores, I mean, it, it's, if you've watched the progression of, of kids play, those sophomores really make big strides from Thanksgiving time of their sophomore year till January, February of their of their sophomore year. So that's just you get fifteen games in your belt. This is a very good sophomore class. I just love the potential of Fenwick of what they could be 
you know, two, three months from now, based on what I've saw and, and what I see of the, of I mean, Stan Peck is another coach who I think highly of. I, I think he runs some terrific stuff. And as a, an assist, as an assistant for Rick Malinati at Fenwick for those years, you know, it was, it was a, it was an easier transition than somebody new coming in. He, he took what he learned with Rick and it's blended and added some of his own. And it's been a smooth, smooth ride for him so far uh, in, in terms of establishing the culture of what he wants. Now it's a matter of just kind of those kids maturing and developing under his tutelage over the next two, three months. I think they could be very dangerous in Class 3A when March rolls around. What if DJ Stewart had stayed? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Would they be better? Is that team better with DJ Stewart than Young is right now with DJ Stewart? They are, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You put DJ Stewart and Bryce Hopkins together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How good's Pure Emmanuel? Adam Miller. Not as good as Fenwick, <laughs> um, but probably pretty good. Um, How good is Three A with DJ Stewart and Adam Miller? Yeah, that, that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. All the stars would be Three A. Would be the the star studded class. Wow. How about that? Um, my take, uh, it's a, it's a sad one. I, um, it's Sunday, as I've already said before, we're recording this on a Sunday and Sundays are tough for me. Obviously Friday and Saturday loaded with Chicago elite classic. And I try not to go to a game on Sunday unless I have to, cause I got to deal with the rankings and another story for the paper and all this stuff. But you know, I didn't have to go to this game. It was Joliet West undefeated against Niles North. Um, Aquan smart, Jalen Butler. Um, I'm like, I'm going to go see this game. It's just a Ridgewood. It's only a half an hour. There won't be much traffic on a Saturday afternoon. And I'll just deal with the, my work and stuff before and after. I go. And for three quarters, let's just say I enjoyed myself. <laughs> it was um, a really... First time I'd ever seen Jeremy Krieger coaching Joliet West. And boy, the kids played great. They're, they got some nice depth. They can score in the post, which Joliet West hasn't had in a while. All kinds of, you know, wings and shooters and, you know, exciting young players. They had it all. We, we They had an 11-point lead twice. At halftime, I looked over at our good friend Scott Burgess and Jack Gleason, and I declared that uh, it would be nice for Juliet West to win this one by double digits. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a bad move. Aquan Didn't Smart. Even, yeah, there was a W. Aquan Smart, who, who was great the whole game. But Julia West is up by 11 after three quarters. And I'm thinking, okay, um, we got this one. Because there, there was no, nothing stupid was done. This was not a Juliet team doing stupid things. They were, they were solid. They'd been solid the whole time. And Aquan Smart just destroyed us in the fourth. Uh, sorry, Julia West, not us. <laughs> just destroyed Julia West in the fourth quarter. He owned them. Scored 18 points. Got to the basket literally at will. Julia West has some bulk and some guys that were out to stop him, and they could not do anything at all with him. He scored a career-high 38 points. It was... I mean, I saw Brace Hopkins score 44 this year, but it was like 60 70% free throws. This was the best performance I've seen so far this season by a player, and I think a lot of people listening to this podcast probably haven't thought much about Aquan Smart at all. 
he's worth seeing. He is a very interesting player with, I think, a very high ceiling if he improves some things, you know, while he's in college. I think he's someone we'll be hearing about and um, definitely keeping our eye on the rest of the way. Niles North is, I knew they were solid. They can play. Jalen Butler, you know, adds a lot to that team as well. And a huge week for them. They beat Deerfield at Deerfield, who we've talked about. And they don't have anybody with any size going against that Deerfield size. And then they beat Joliet West after being down big twice. They're in the rankings now. And I knew they would be eventually at this point, but they've, they're have they there quick. And they're going to be a team to watch all year, especially in an area that's not super loaded. Yeah, he you, you mentioned high ceiling. He's, he's got a huge upside. And his development over the course of his career is what is exciting because he continued to make progress and take big steps i remember seeing him early on and he was a like, very intriguing just his build his size his length his athleticism had some explosiveness a smooth gliding athlete and his shot was really jacked up and that has really come a long long way uh he's become a respectable shooter and you know he's probably i mean if you look took a look at my 2020 rankings he might be the most I'd have to go back and look. One of the most unknown players in the yeah. top 15 and least talked about. He's ranked, I think we, Mike and I were taking a look at it. He's, I had him ranked 11th heading into the year in that senior class. He's committed to East Tennessee State, but did not sign, which always sends off some red flags mm. when you're committed and don't sign. Uh, a lot of uncertainty around that commitment. And uh, we'll see how that plays out because he's a bona fide, legitimate mid-major prospect with that, like you said, the high ceiling. And and his, you know, it's a cliche, best basketball is ahead of him. But that is clearly the case with him. And uh, it would be interesting to see, you know, what happens here over the next, you know, couple months here. Yeah, especially with, with his recruitment if, yeah, that could yeah, get I mean, interesting, huh? Because he's going to keep putting up big point totals and he's – yeah, and, and if you're not signed, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's just uh, a recipe for disaster for schools who have a kid committed uh, and they doesn't sign and he goes and kind of blows up over the course <laughs> of the season. Yeah, that's oh, I didn't even say oh, it, the final was 77 72. They actually uh, Niles North won by five. A lot of it's a team of gamers, they played hard. Um, that kid you mentioned, um, Played played real well. Do you remember? Could I mention? Yeah, in the pre for for Niles North. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Yosef sophomore. Yosef Olif. Olif. Yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah. He's a he's a fun one. Oh yeah, hit some just dagger threes. <laughs> it was it was rough. It was uh yeah yeah it was kind of funny too. I think Scott Burgess and I both agreed it was the best game we'd seen all weekend, <laughs> which. It was a lot cheaper than the Chicago League Classic, <laughs> let me tell you, if you were a fan. And there was, like, not many people in that Ridgewood gym. But it was a, you know, fun game, 77, 72 or whatever. They got up and down. Um, it was nice. Well, that's – do you want to get negative now, Joe? <laughs> well, I mean, you, I, I feel bad for you coming off the Juliet West oh, game. And, and then, yeah, yeah. then I saw your tweet of your, your, your little bit of Juliet West whining about the road at Pontiac. Oh, my goodness. We couldn't have gotten a worse road. All right, sorry, Juliet West couldn't have gotten a worse road. <laughs> we, us, Mike will be at the I end of the bench that. pretty soon with a towel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into our, as I said, our extra take. And really what it centers around is these holiday tournaments are starting to pop out now with their 
you know, Pontiac came out today on Sunday with their parents. Hinsdale Central came out. And as Mike and I were talking, we, we, we realized, huh, we don't even know who's at Proviso West. We don't even know if the dipper's around. We assume it is. <laughs> and But it, it, that's just so far removed from where we were 10 years ago, 50, definitely 20 years ago, and how the landscape of holiday tournaments has changed for the worse in our backyard, the Chicago area. You know, we have this iconic, I call it iconic event. Proviso West was just, you know, I know everybody thinks that Mike and I cherish and love Pontiac so much, and we do, but it's because of what we're talking about now more so than anything. There's no competition. It is a sad state of affairs for holiday tournaments in the Chicago area. Now, before all the people at Wheeling and Hinsdale Central and York and get all riled, yes, they all continue to do what they do. And by that, I mean York has is, is found its niche, a Jack Tosh tournament. You know, there are 32 teams. They've, they've got a collection of what I'll say are very good, solid basketball teams and coaches that uh, it's a little bit vanilla, I think, in terms of the uh, everybody's the teams are, are pretty much the same. Well, Wheeling, they, they did, not to interrupt, but Hinsdale, the, York has branched out this year. Right, they added Solorio and Bolingbrook. But yes, yeah, and, and that's true. Uh, and, and but but what I'm what I'm getting back to is just the lack of this. Yeah. This this marketable, casual fan, attractive yeah. event that everybody knows of and wants to go and knows when they go there. They're going to see a certain level of basketball. Yeah. Uh, Proviso West is is not that. The, the venue there is no longer the place to be, as it was for all these decades of just unbelievable basketball. And then that that South Suburban feel at the Dipper, and you know, Hins- we, Mike and I both know Hinsdale Central has done a nice job, and for a brand new tournament, but. You know, it, it's it's balanced at the top, and there's some, you know, I think there's four ranked teams. Proviso West is going to have four or five ranked teams. But, man, Mike, there were first-round games at Proviso West for years that were as good as some other tournament semifinals, you know? And, and those second-round games, the quarterfinals, you're almost guaranteed a four unbelievably matched games with seven or eight ranked teams. And that's just, it's gone. So right now, you know, when you're talking about tradition and prestige, it's Pontiac, Centralia, uh, and the history and tradition. And, and Pekin has some of that. I've never been to Pekin. It just kind of sucks uh, for for Chicago area basketball to not have that marquee event. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a real shame. I mean, it was – the top moment of the season, Proviso West. You know, I'm talking regular season. There was no doubt about that. And it's lost. And I don't know, in the current climate, Morgan Park, for example, left the Dipper. They're at the City of Palms. Whitney Young is at the City of Palms. So two of our best teams are just leaving the area completely. Um, you know, Simeon's down in Pontiac. I just, my, quest, my point is, I don't know how we, how anybody fixes this. Well, the out-of-state options are always going to hurt the holiday tournaments in Illinois. Uh, you know, Young's been 
in and out, you know, provides a West and then out of town or whatever. That's just, you know, they play a national schedule. That's just what they do. Uh, Morgan Park is, is the one, you know, that has always been around and kind of been there, you know what I mean, uh, to provide that big name and star attraction. So with them gone, it, it really it hurts. You know, and again, I mean, I, if you were the, the arrival of Hinsdale Central, an added tournament, all the power to them, but I mean, it did take away from, it's just an added tournament of 16 teams. So you're, you're taking teams away from. Well, I mean, there, there used to be Elgin, so it's not like we have more. Yeah, but the, the Elgin, I mean, Elgin wasn't good for years. I know, but I mean, it was another. I'm talking about a tournament with, I mean, if you got rid of Hinsdale Central, I mean, you added Rank Stevenson and and um, Marion Catholic and DePaul Prep. I mean, if you, uh, home at Flossmore. I mean, those are those are some good teams. I mean, HF was a proviso for uh, Marion Catholic. Was it the Dipper? I mean, you know I mean, the, the, you take those pieces away, and uh, it, it's and then some teams leave to go out of state. It, it's just materialized into this. You know, and we all proviso went when they did that whole we go back in history of what happened with Proviso West. And, and it was literally from that moment, they expanded to 32, 32 teams yeah. and played in that makeshift field house gym. And yeah, um, it just changed everything. And it has never been the same since. And Hinsdale central just, I think is trying to, to evolve into this terrific. And, and, and I don't know. Have you, have you been there, Mike? I mean, have you gone there? No. I've been there like every year the last three okay. or four. Yeah, I mean it, it's they're just they don't get much fans. Uh, the crowds are small. They do a good job running it, and there's some good teams. It, it's just not what we're used to seeing uh, when you think of holiday tournaments in Illinois. Yeah, the crowds have been a, a rough issue. You know, I saw a pretty good game there last year, but there just wasn't anybody there. So that was lousy. Um, I, I, and I don't know what the, it's just so different. You know, we used to have the loaded proviso here, you know, the Dipper and Pontiac and the other things doing their things. And then we'd wrap up with kind of an post holiday, holiday tournament of the public league tournament, which had crazy games. Like that's where Derek Rose lost senior year, you know, that game to Farragut, you know, Farragut would come out of proviso and Simeon would come out of Pontiac and then we'd get more holiday tournament action. You know, it was just loaded with high-level basketball, and now we've, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, if, if a casual fan asked me where to go over the holidays locally, you know, to take their kids to see a game or something, what do you tell them? Yeah, and then I say, I mean, how long has York been thirty-two teams? They they were before, were they like before? eight eight years. No, so they were after. I don't remember. So I mean, again, that's another—that's like another tournament, sixteen more teams. I, I'm just saying it's part of the problem is the stretch thin thing. Um, so you think like, there were like Kankakee's gone? That was sixteen teams, right? So there, a lot of tournaments have died. I'm not sure we have. I don't think we have more. I think I'm just saying where where most of the higher profile teams and programs are, I think they're spread out more. Well, that's one of the changes was the travel rule. 
you know, there didn't used to be an opportunity to go to Florida or Arizona, like, you know, Loyola goes, you know, there, there's other teams that leave. It's not just, you know, I think Mundelein yeah. always goes. Well, yeah. I mean, Nutria went to Arizona last year. Uh, Loyola goes to Florida. They, I think they went to Arizona one year. Um, uh, Mundelein, I think goes away. They have in the past. Yeah. Um, probably some, but yeah, that changed things a lot because that, what was it? 500 miles was the old rule. Um, but I mean, if you have an opportunity to go away and you're not at Pontiac, I mean, I mean, what are you missing out on? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I mean, the flip side of this is I thought one of the best days I had last season was the York final. I guess maybe, but I think that depends on what teams get. I mean, all tournament finals depend on what teams get there. But but the York Downer South game was just tremendous in a packed gym. It was really awesome. Um, so, I mean, there are ways these things can still happen. We just don't have the guaranteed marquee local spot anymore. Yeah, I I, I think the secondary events are fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, York is what it is. And they, they, I said that before, they found their niche and – it's a solid, terrifically well-run tournament, and I, I'm still not a. And that's fine. I'm, I'm maybe I'm the minority. I'm still not a fan of 32 teams, but it's just the traditionalist. I mean, I can't even figure out what, like, who's playing where and <laughs> where we're at in the bracket, and yeah. wait, what round are we in? And uh, I guess I'm just too dumb to figure it out. But I just, <laughs> I, I, I just miss that aura. You know, yes. uh, you, you, you think of the biggest moments of holiday tournament play in your mind. Uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't, Wheeling doesn't jump in my head or York or Hinsdale Central. It's Ronnie Fields at Proviso West or Kevin Garnett or uh, John Shire's moment. Uh, the, the, some of the testy, intense battles at the Dipper, uh, Nate Manoy. I mean, they're just, you know, there's instantly there's names and games and teams that jump out at you from those events and they're gone. I mean, they're just, it's, it's, it's really dead. I mean, look at Proviso West, Mike. I mean, Fenwick, Hillcrest, Bogan, three pretty, really good teams in the area. You know, Proviso East and Zion Benton are, you know, okay, but it's, it's just such a far cry from from where we were uh, when it comes to that event. Yeah, and I, so I think there's an opportunity out there. And, I mean, Hinsdale Central has shown it's difficult not to just create something from scratch. You know, they've put together a nice field, and the crowds haven't necessarily followed. Um, but I think there is a way. There's enough teams floating around out there without permanent homes now. And, you know, there, there's just it, – it's a wide-open opportunity for a place to really create something lasting that could really be a big deal and be like the next proviso West and maybe treat people better. And that, that was the, I think the big problem at proviso West was people just soured. It became such a huge money grab. You know, people say that the 32 two teams ruined it. And, and I mean, I think that's true in a sense, but I also think it became so money based. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, people were, you're getting gouged and you're not treated particularly well and all of that play. But more so the 32 teams, not just with the fans, but it drove some teams away. Yeah. There were some teams like this, this thing sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this. Uh, but I mean, let, let's just, 
hypothetically say Proviso West shut down. All right, just gone. I don't think that's no, no, I'm, too, I'm just, no, no. I'm just saying I don't think that's necessarily hypothetical. Okay, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it might be coming pretty soon. Yeah, if it happened, and Fenwick and Bogan went to Hinsdale Central. I mean, I, do do the crowds eventually emerge when you add? The, the, no, the, no. The only way that I mean, they would be way better. I think you add, like you said, what Fenwick Bogan add Hillcrest in there, and maybe yeah, you got something happening. We start to get normal holiday tournament crowds because Hinsdale I think is leaving a little bit below that a lot. But it, there needs to be a, a major star at this point. Well, and that's the other thing yeah. we've lacked over yeah. the years. I mean, we. I mean, I've written about this a ton. I mean, the last five, six years. The the mega stars, the crowd drawing players, uh, have, have not been there. But you know, even I remember watching Jalen Brunson at Hinsdale Central, and it wasn't like there was people flocking to, you know, in the infancy of that tournament. But anyway, it, it's it is what it is, and uh, we're three weeks away from you and I being in all those gyms. Yeah, probably getting probably getting locked out from. <laughs> aren't you the guys that uh, said none of these tournaments are any good? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's lacking the the big time event. It is, and there's and none of these current tournaments are going to do much to change that. I don't think. I mean, I have been coming around. It's not like I ever disliked York, but because Proviso has been kind of difficult for me to work in and hasn't been a must see I've wound up over at York quite a bit the last two or three years and it's grown on me um considerably I mean it's just a different thing you know like you said you just have to kind of get used to it is what it is it's a division three recruiting <laughs> paradise yeah, there for you go. division three coaches you you want to go meet some division three college coaches head over to Jack Tosh tournament for a while yeah. and there's a lot of small college prospects there some Pon- really good ones too. Pontiac will be super fun, and it's it's as loaded as ever. And thank goodness it's still going. I'm a little worried because tournament director Jim Drengwitz keeps talking about retirement, and oh my goodness, that was yeah, that'd be bad. I mean, what if even Pontiac starts to? Oh boy, let's not think about that. I'll have to start my own. <laughs> I'll just have to start the No Shot Clock Podcast Tournament. Yeah, it would have to be done here. All right. Um, Let's, you know, I guess last thing we'll say about this, I, I've asked like last two or three years, the coaches, some other people, if the public league has thought about this because they could easily start the best one by keeping some of their teams home and then bringing in some suburban teams. I think it'd be pretty easy for it to be an attractive thing, but there's a terrible idea. There's no willingness on the current. Why would you want to? They play all each other. No, no, no. But bring season. in the others. I'm saying yeah, bring in suburban teams. Well, yeah, but you still you're talking about a public league tournament with suburban teams. Yeah. So like the 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 handful of public league teams would be together again. It, it they could be different ones. You know, you don't get any. You could take one from the Red South Central, run one from the Red Northwest. Yeah, there's nothing for me. That's kind of why I didn't like Proviso West in the before it got to this point. But there was so publicly, I, I, I see the publicly. Mike, they play each other during the year. I see the publicly playoffs. 
they end up meeting each other in the in state tournament play sometimes. I I like when they just I love when they go out and they branch out and they are spread out into the into the suburban tournaments. Yeah, That's I think there's I, something to be said for if you got young Morgan Park and Orr and then dragging a Belleville West and Fenwick and Hillcrest and Stevenson and then maybe some, you know, <laughs> You know, I think they could do it easier than the others because they could keep the public league teams at home if they wanted. I don't know. That That's just my – if I was the public league, I would try that. And maybe, yeah, you have to grab – it's not going to be like Proviso. Maybe you have Lane Tech in there, you know, get that Dunbar team back. But I, I don't know. It, it's I, – I don't understand why we're so sick of it, the public league stuff, when they used to have that public league tournament. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I guess no the conferences were smaller. So you didn't see those teams play. You know what I mean? I just I, I don't like these I don't like just give me the public league playoffs. I love that. Yeah, and back then that had, anyway, okay, we're getting off right. uh we we uh, I guess the message here is we cannot fix this. <laughs> we do not know the answer. Um so let's get uh, I take a quick look at Tuesday. Oh my goodness, Joe. Marion Catholic at Notre. Oh, let, let's do this quick. Marion Catholic at Notre Dame. Who you got? Oh, jeez. Uh, at Notre Dame, I yeah. think Notre Dame bounces back and gets the win over Marion Catholic. All right, I got Marion Catholic. Bogan at Simeon. Who do you got? At Simeon, I'm going another bounce back. Simeon. I got Bogan on the road. Uh, Bloom at Thornton. Bloom. Bloom here too. Oswego East at Oswego. Oswego East still figuring it out. Piecing together, still without Schultz. Oswego's unbeaten, going Oswego. Ditto, I'm going with Oswego. Joliet Central at Joliet West. <laughs> Joliet West by 16. Yeah, uh, Rolling Meadows at Schomburg. Oh, do you know why Chris Hodges has not been playing? I think he was, I believe he was sick. Okay. And he'll be, he'll be back Tuesday. Oh, awesome. All right, Rolling Meadows at Schomburg. They're off to a good start, too, Rolling Meadows, for those who haven't noticed. Yeah, um, Schomburg uh, wins that one. Size is going to kill them. Uh, Schomburg is... Very underrated. Ooh, I'm just going to pick against it just for fun. Max Christie gets his first big scalp, <laughs> scores 40, and his brother scores 25, and early Meadows wins. Um, let's see what other ones. Oh, uh, Kankakee at Rich East. It's a good game. Mm, go with the K's. Yeah, me too. Um, anybody? Uh, De La Salle at Leo. De La Salle. Starting to play better. Yeah, I'm going to take Leo. I think there's been some internal issues that they're working out. Uh, and that's all uh, Dunbar at Solorio, big white division. I go Solorio. I'm going to, I was going to take them, but I, I like the Dunbar's got a lot back from that team last year. I'm going to go with Dunbar on the road. I'm picking way too many road teams. I'm going to do horrible. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's a crazy Tuesday. It's too bad. Those games are not spread out <laughs> over many days. Um, Wednesday, we've got Farragut at North Lawndale, which should be a really interesting one. And then Lincoln park at, or, just a, that'll be a spectacular game. Thursday is a little thin, although you've got some interesting CPS games. Corliss is at Bogan. Hyde Park, who I saw, I was pretty impressed with Jalen Houston, a junior guard they have. Hyde Park is at Lindblom, and um, that is about it. Friday is a little lame, probably because Tuesday was so great. We do have Nutrier at Evanston. What was the showdown? And then Nuequa Valley at Wabonzi Valley. Wabonzi Valley is off to a really nice start. They were a team I was intrigued by this year uh buffalo groves at prospect 
Uh, I, think I think I'm going to that Wabonsu Valley game. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Marcus Skeet's putting up numbers, it looks like, early. He's getting like 20 a game. Um, oh, by the way, we should shout out. It's Jason Mead over at Wabonsu Valley. Yes. Oh, my gosh, Joe. He sent me this link. It's a Google document. And all I have to do to get Wabonsu Valley stats from every game, it's just always updated. And I just click that link. Well, it would help. that would be a glorious tool for <laughs> it is the most, people that cover high school basketball. It is for, wonderful. Yeah. You don't got to email me every day or text me your highlights. I just go to that link and all the season stats are there. It's maybe one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I'm very impressed. So thank you. Um, we're going to know an awful lot about Wabonzi Valley basketball because of that. Also on Friday, we've got Zion Benton at Stevenson. Uh, Lane Tech is at Farragut or is at Westinghouse. Then one to watch here, Young at Lincoln Park. That has been a heated battle over the last several seasons. And Lincoln Park's one of you. Um, Eisenhower, a team we're monitoring, they're at Hillcrest. Uh, Richards is at Oak Forest. I'm still a little high on Richards. I liked all the guys they have back um, from last year. TF South. If they, yeah, if they would have kept their best player. Oh, yeah. That would have been. Who's <laughs> exactly. at RB now? Um, TF South is at Oak Lawn. York is at, I think, still undefeated Glenbard West, right? 4-0, Glenbard yeah. West, yeah. That'll be interesting. And then Notre Dame at Loyola. So I guess, you know, Friday's better than I thought. It just doesn't have, like, a big matchup. But that's a, that's a well, solid that's a, that's a That's a big Saturday stretch for Notre Dame. Yeah. It, it, you know, a few teams are going to – we're going to know an awful lot about You play Evanston, yeah. Marion Catholic, Loyola. Eesh. Yeah, Curie's got um, Morgan Park and Hillcrest. Um, but anyways, that takes us to Saturday. We got some good, uh, two good games, not at the team Rose classic. Bennett is at York. That's always a fun one. Joliet West is at St. Rita Two uh, young teams that used to be in the team Rose classic and the team Rose thing starts out a little slow, but it really hits an interesting Schomburg Tinley park matchup at two That'll be great. If Hodges is back, we can see him against AJ Casey. And then it closes really strong with Oak park and Stevenson and Curie Hillcrest. Um, Some struggling teams in there, though. Yeah, yeah. Bloom is at St. Lo- plays St. Lawrence. That could get ugly. Um, yeah, Saturday's not as good as Sunday. Sunday's interesting. Starts off with Westinghouse at St. Ignatius. Then Kenwood against Leo. I was intrigued by Kenwood. They got two big kids who can who can really play. They're gonna Kenwood is going to be a little dangerous this year. And then uh, Hyde Park and Romeoville. Bogan and Notre Dame. That's a... Low key, really great game, huh? So now we got <laughs> Notre Dame covered. is playing. Yeah, Notre Dame has got four monster top. Hope, wow. Hope they're ready. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's followed by another monster game, or at Evanston. I mean, or, or versus Evanston. It's at Mount Carmel. Isn't that a weird one? Yeah, uh, especially it's an or team that is a mystery to a lot of people. Anybody because... know if Reggie Strong's playing? Good question. He's the only one I have. The others are playing. The other transfers, because I've seen their highlight, their their numbers, but I have not seen Reggie Strong yet. And he was from the Catholic school, from St. Joe's. So I wonder if anybody knows. I guess I could find out on Wednesday when I'm there. But yeah, so that that's a mystery. And you know, Orr's going to be out to prove something in that one. Um, they they like those kind of proving ground things. So Orr Evanston, four o'clock. I mean, that's right after Bogan, Notre Dame. I mean, this gym is going to be packed in Mount Carmel. 
And then after that is Simeon against St. Rita and uh, winds up with Farragut against the hosts, Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel has a freshman I've been hearing about. I'm sure you've heard about him as well, Joe. Well, Carmel's got some good young players uh, in their program. Uh, There's there's a lot of good young players in the Catholic League, actually. uh, So, I mean, I I, there's speaking of freshmen, uh, Mike, I mean, that that group that group continues to to really impress, and it's a group that I think has got more depth than a lot of years that I've or in the recent years than than in comparison to. So, um, yeah, it's 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 great. See, some some new players at some um, different spots too. You know, uh, DeAndre Craig, the freshman at Mount Carmel, is one of those kids. Nice. All right, it's going to be basically with the. I'm not sure I've ever mentioned that many games. Well, our, the 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 I don't recall it Tuesday night. No, no, yeah, you're right. Maybe ever with with so many. It's insane. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Tuesday's so. crazy. We got all those team rows. I mean, basically, I'm really. Imagine doing the rankings on Sunday. <laughs> Just let, let's everybody pour one out for because not only that, I'm not even going to be able to start doing them until like eight o'clock, and we're going to have all of this action. It's going to be a complete and total nightmare, and nothing is going to be the same after next week. We'll have an awful lot to talk about, and we'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, enjoy the basketball this week.